Welcome to Victory Church's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. I'm really taking up um, where I was this morning. I'm going to read part of what I shared this morning. This, um, again, I'm preaching to myself tonight. You can listen if you want, but I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to me. Out of his fullness, this is John, out of the Amplified, out of his fullness, we have all received. Lord, tonight I'm receiving out of your fullness. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Come on, with me. Come on, get with me here. I receive of your fullness, Lord God, tonight. I'm taking in. I'm taking in fullness. Come, out of your fullness, Lord. Another portion, Lord. Lord, I'm greedy, Lord. I want more. More. Somebody say more. I need more. More, Lord. So of his fullness we have all received, all had a share, and were all supplied one grace after another, after another, and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, and even favor upon favor. There's another good word. Favor. 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 And gift heaped upon gift. Gift heaped of the gifts of God, the giftings of God more and more. One gift on another gift. He's piling. He is a supernatural God. He's an excessive God. He's an affluent God. He's a generous God. He is good. And he is heaping his gifts on my life. So I have to read this paragraph again. This is um, part of a sermon preached in the 1800s in London, England. It was shaken London with the gospel of Jesus Christ in the 1800s. His gifts are beyond measure precious and are as freely given as the light of the sun. He gives grace to his elect because he wills it, to his redeemed because of his covenant, to the called because of his promise, to believers because they seek it, to sinners because they need it. He gives grace abundantly, seasonably, constantly, readily, sovereignly, doubly enhancing the value of the boon by the manner of its bestowal. Grace in all its forms, he freely renders to his people. Comforting, preserving, sanctifying, directing, instructing, assisting grace. He generously pours into their souls without ceasing. More lords, ha, 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 woo, more lords. And he always will do so, whatever may occur. Sickness may befall, but the Lord will give grace. Poverty may happen, but grace will surely be afforded. Death must come, but grace will light a candle at the darkest hour. Reader, how blessed it is as the years roll round and the leaves begin to fall again, begin to, again to fall, to enjoy such an unfading promise as this, the Lord will give grace. Now, if you've noticed, read in your Bible that John 1, 17 is the next verse after John 1, 16. And this is what the next verse says. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We're embracing him and grace and truth, reality, the authenticity, grace and reality. Grace and reality. He makes it real. He makes it true. He makes it valid. He makes it solid. He makes it a substance, the goodness of God. 
Grace and reality come in Christ. Thank you, Lord. So taste, taste tonight. Smack your lips. Taste. Taste. Ah, Ramasai. There's something in the air. Taste, taste it, taste it, taste the goodness of God. So he gives his grace. He gives his grace abundantly. They were praying in Acts chapter 4. They were praying after Peter had been released from, from jail. They gathered together and they began to pray. And the, 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 the direction of their prayer was that they would be filled with boldness, that they could preach the word of God. And that as they preached the word of God, that God would stretch forth his hand and heal to honor the name of his son Jesus. That's what they were praying about. And they were gathered in that same place. It was the same place where Jesus had his, where he washed their feet. It was the same place. They had the Last Supper. It was the same place, the upper room, where they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And now here here they were again, and they were were at it again. They were praying. And as they were praying, it says the, 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 the building that they were in began to shake under the power of God as they were praying. And this is what it says in Acts 4.33. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and abundant, overflowing grace was upon them all. There was something on all of them. They were flowing together with that, with that church. There's a harmony and a blessing in the local church. When you hook up with his church, you flow with his church. You get involved with what he's doing and you begin to beat with the heartbeat of what God's doing in that local church. You're praying and you're moving together. It's like a dance. It's like an orchestra. And you begin to experience the grace that's on that house. Grace. Somebody say grace. Grace. Yes, it's super. They begin to experience, and they, if you read this passage, it starts talking about finances again, supernatural provision. It talks about incredible provision for the, for the people of God, supernatural provision, signs and wonders, and an incredible harvest of converts, converts, new converts. You know, today you think about church growth, and it's just some guy figuring out a plan how to get a good program going and get all the Christians from the other churches to come to his church. That's church growth. That's not kingdom growth. It's, that's something else. I'm not sure, quite sure what it is from God's perspective, but it's not kingdom growth. It's soul winning. The only way the kingdom of God grows is when somebody gets saved. That's the only way. So kingdom, so there is a harvest of souls. So then there's, there's seasonable, seasonable grace. Galatians 1, 15 and 16, when he who set me apart, Paul said, when he who set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. It was if he was somewhere between 30 and 33 years old, the apostle Paul, about the age of Jesus, born about the time of Jesus, maybe a couple years after him, the, the hand of God came upon Saul when he was in his 30s, early 30s. The grace of God fell on him at the right time. At the right, there's a season for the work of God to take place. Yeah, his grace is poured out constantly, but there's a season for the fulfillment of his plan in your life. At the appointed time, God sent forth his son. At the appointed time, God revealed his son to to Paul, and he began to preach the gospel. His grace is poured out constantly. Somebody say constantly. 
John 1.16 out of the Message Bible. We all live off of his generous bounty. We live off his generous bounty, gift after gift after gift after gift. His grace is being poured out constantly. Learning how to receive is huge. There's, there's grace passing your way when you wake up in the morning. There's grace passing your way when you go to work. There's grace passing your way when you come home. There's grace, there's immeasurable grace. The grace of God that passes comprehension is falling down from heaven. Learn to take it in, get your antennas up. Take in and become a receiver of the grace of God. It's constantly falling down. His grace is readily falling down. He's always ready. He's always ready. He's never hesitant. It says in Psalm 86, be gracious to me, Lord, for I call upon you all day long. Make the soul of your servant joyful. For to you, Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant mercy to all who call upon you. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I call upon you all the day long. He's always ready to pour out his grace on your life. His grace is poured out Here's a, a, a word that some people are uncomfortable with, but it's a Bible word. His grace is poured out upon us sovereignly. That means he does it. He does what he wants. You know, it's, the word sovereign really means king. He's a sovereign. He is the, Jesus is the sovereign of sovereigns. He's the king of kings. And he has absolute sovereignty. In other words... He's ruling all things by the word of his power. He's had me in his hand before I had a hand. He's had me in his hand before there was a creation. I was inscribed upon his hand before there was a creation. He's known me before before he created the universe. He knew me. I was his. I was, I was his. And, and Jesus is the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the world. The plan of God to send his son was not an afterthought. It wasn't like, oh no, look what's happened. We're going to have to do something about the fall. He was the Lamb before there was a fall. He was the Lamb before there was a creation. He's the Lamb of God before the foundations of the world. So he's the sovereign king. This is how it says it in Ephesians 1, out of the Passion. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6, out of the Passion. And he chose us to be his very own. He chose me to be his own. Joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that he would be seen as holy in the eyes with an unstained innocence. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us in this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. So yeah, this this grace... This sovereign grace that's interrupted my life. This sovereign grace that began my life. This sovereign grace that blesses my life. This sovereign grace that's permeated my life. It satisfies me. It it brings pleasure into my life. And it brings incredible glory to our God. 
The grace of God is what glorifies God in your life. It's the grace of God and the influence of the grace of God that glorifies God in your life. What were you before you came to Christ? What kind of miserable person were you before you came to Christ? What kind of miserable secrets were in your heart that he, he, that he, washed, uh, he washed in his blood and he removed that, that foolishness from your heart? He took it out. He made you a different kind of person. Your life is different now. You talk different. You act different. You love different. You are different. You were once dead, but now you're alive. The grace of God has captured you. The grace of God has inflamed you. The grace of God has empowered you. And it's all, all about his glory. It's all about his glory. So his grace in all its forms. So here, well, this, this, this is, we'll just go through this. Grace in all its forms. He freely renders to his people. This is Spurgeon again. Grace in all its forms, he freely renders to his people. There's comforting grace. There's preserving grace. There's sanctifying grace. There's directing grace. There's instructing grace. And there's assisting grace. He generously pours into our souls without ceasing. Always will do so, whatever may occur. The grace of God comforts us. Paul needed comfort. He was tired of being beaten town after town after town. He was beaten, he was caned, he was whipped, he was imprisoned, he was stoned, and he was tired of it. He said that he asked the Lord three times, hey, lighten up, let's not have this happen anymore. Let's stop this, this thing is, I can't do this anymore. And the Lord came and said to him, the Lord said to him, and it's in quotations, Jesus came to him and said, my grace is sufficient for you. Woo, say it right now, my grace is sufficient for you. Say it like this, his grace is sufficient for me. Regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what your circumstances are, his grace is comforting grace. It's the grace of God that comes upon us. The Holy Ghost comes upon us. And he becomes our joy in the midst of unpleasant circumstances. Now, we don't live that way all the time, but we have, you have to admit there are seasons of unpleasantries that we go through. Get a hold of the grace of God. He is more than enough. He will fill your heart with joy on your darkest days. He'll fill your heart with joy when things aren't going the way you had hoped. His grace is sufficient. Oh, say it again. His grace is sufficient. His grace is more than enough. His grace is overflowing. His grace is satisfying. His grace is empowering. And it's enough for me. His grace is comforting. His grace is preserving he preserves us. Paul again said it like this. Do not be misled by varied and strange teachings. For it's good for the heart to be strengthened or preserved by grace. His grace preserves us. It builds up. And this, this literally means to, to put a foundation under our feet. Grace. It strengthens us. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when, when God meets you and you're going through crazy circumstances and his grace is sufficient, there's something that happens on, on, on the inside of you. There's a, a preserving, there's a strengthening, there's an empowering, there's a stabling. 
so that you won't be you won't be so easily shaken because his grace will preserve and strengthen you hallelujah his drink his grace will sanctify you hallelujah to those who reside as strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, Peter said. So Peter preached the same kind of stuff that, that Paul did, that foreknowledge stuff, to, to the foreknowledge of God by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. I'm chosen according to the foreknowledge of God by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ, be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Hallelujah. This, the grace of God is the sanctifying tool of the Holy Spirit. How does that work? Oh, it's, it's all, at the end of the day, it's about pleasure. It's all about pleasure. It's always been about pleasure. The first thing that, that baby wants to see, the baby starts crying when it's born. Wah, wah, wah. What does he want? He wants to nurse. It's all about pleasure. Nursing and getting satisfied in his belly, eating that good milk and being satisfied. It's always about pleasure. Everything, your children are about pleasure, your, your husband is about pleasure, your wife is about pleasure, everyone is about pursuing pleasure. The, the, problem, the problem is, is our twisted, fallen nature gets it all wrong. It's the grace of God that sorts all that out. It's the grace of God that deals with our fallen nature. It's the grace of God that heals and, and transforms our will, that our will begins to be conformed with God's will. There's not a lost person on this planet whose will is in line with God's will. They're enemies of God's. And when you're born again, the, the grace of God begins to mold and shape your, your will or your, your pleasure seeker. Your will is your pleasure seeker. It's what you find joy and happiness in. What you find, what satisfies you more than anything else. If you're honest with yourself, it's an indication. The things that you love is an indication of who you are and your spiritual condition. The, and the, it's the work of God, the grace of God is the one that works on the inside of us. He's the sanctifier. Hallelujah. I'm saved. I'm justified. I'm sanctified. I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost. How about you? I've been justified by his blood. I've been sanctified by the Holy Ghost. I've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. It's the work of God inside of us. He's, it's the directing grace of God. If you are, Galatians 5.18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. He directs us. He directs us again with his pleasure. That's how he does it. That's how he does it. I, I always tell this story. Some of you have heard me say it before. My, my good buddy that we stayed with, we had extended households, community households, in God's army, and one of my good friends was Jack Taylor. He came down with me when we came in 1977 to begin this church, and he used to always say, um, you know, two things he used to say. This, he was a, you have to give him some grace. He was a young Christian, and the first, he'd say, you know, why doesn't the Lord give us something like smoking pots to, you know, the, the way the world has? I said, Jack, pray in tongues. That's what that is, pray in tongues. And then he'd say, well, 
What if the Lord, what if the Lord calls me to go to Africa? Oh, well, Jack, if he wants you to go to Africa, he's going to put a burning passion in your heart to go to Africa. That's how he does it. That's how, that's how you know he wants you to go there because you want to go there. That's how you know. Now, this, this, this is tricky. This only works when you're sold out. It doesn't work when you're just doing your own thing. That's when you get things goofed up and confused about the will of God. That's why we need pastors. That's why we need authority in the body of Christ to help us sort out some of our stupid mistakes that we would make. Thank you, Lord. That's true. So the, the Holy Spirit, he, he, he directs us. He directs us. The Holy Spirit instructs us. He teaches us. Or the grace of God instructs us. The grace of God instructs us. Titus said it like um, Paul said in Titus. For the grace of God has appeared. Wow, I like that. Everyone say the grace of God has appeared. In, the, in a person. Jesus. The grace of God has appeared. Bringing salvation to all people, instructing us to deny ungodliness. So the grace of God has appeared, and his appearance and his effect on our life, his grace has taught us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and in a godly manner in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Grace exposes the ugliness of sin and the end result of that sin, where it takes you. Your view, if, when you, get, if you got radically saved, when you get radically saved, your view of, for example, Bourbon Street on Mardi Gras Day will be totally different. In one moment, you thought, yeah. And the next minute, you think, yuck, 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 yuck. It's, it's not a temptation. It's not a temptation to go hang out with stripping homosexuals and transgenders. I'm not tempted in the least. How about you? It's like, I remember the first demon that I cast out, he started talking to me out of this person's body and he, tried to, he started trying to entice me to do things that, that weren't enticing anymore. What a stupid demon. He said, let's go get us a six pack and pick up some girls. I, I had my girl and I don't drink beer anymore. <laughs> so neither one of them were, were something that I was looking for. Stupid devil, out, come out. So he instructs us. It's the, the effect of grace. He, it's an instructing grace. We see the ugliness of sin and we see where, where sin goes. You start to see it. It's you, see the, you see judgment is terrifying and it makes you have a compassion on people that are still trapped in it to try to rescue them, to bring them out. The grace of God instructs us. And finally, the grace of God assists us. He helps us. Hallelujah. Hebrews 4.16. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness, so that we might receive mercy and find grace for help at our time of need. His grace 
joins together with us and helps us in whatever it is, whatever it is you're facing. You know, there's these passages and promises overlap because, you know, I always talk about Romans 8, 26, when we pray in the spirit, we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the spirit prays through us and he helps us with our praying and our weaknesses. He helps us. The grace of God helps us. He helps us. The influence of God on your soul helps you. He's a huge help. So come to him. Come tonight. Come to him. Allow him to to come and, and bring tangible help into your worlds, into your life. Visit our website at www.victorychurchnola.com for service times and more information.